We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. How, how many makers and cokes have you had? We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports Media. Partnered with 440 Sports, I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, is Justin Mello, and we are coming to you in the middle of June to talk about football, because that's what we do every single week. Justin, what's going on? I'm happy to be here, as always. Uh, June is typically a slow month uh, in football. There's no way around it. Anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. Uh, but I think we've come up with some pretty good content for tonight's episode, and I'm excited to go back and forth with you on this a little bit. That is right. If you clicked on the episode, you probably saw the title. But what we are talking about today is the most impactful roster additions that the Titans have made this offseason. We are going to discuss them and uh, go back and forth a little bit. I'm going to name my three most impactful Justin's going to name his three most impactful. We checked with each other first, so we're not going to overlap. So we are going to cover six different players. And uh, we don't have any news to report. Nothing has happened. We're recording this episode, full disclosure. We're recording this episode a couple days ahead of our regularly scheduled recording day. So if anything happens with like a signing or a cut, go to the Titans Twitter timeline and see what happened. Uh, We are going to skip that this week and dive right into our main segment. So let's get started. Why don't you go first, Justin? I was going to go first. 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 Okay. Well, why don't you go first with your first most impactful addition? Hit it. Well, well, you know what? Uh, We we discussed it. I know, you know, who I would take, you're going to talk about, of course. So I'm going to go with Bud Dupree. Uh, They gave this guy a ton of money in free agency, a five-year contract that they're committed to him. They are invested in him. Uh, This is a guy who they're really relying on to come here and fix the pass rush, right? They didn't really draft a pass rusher. You know, they took Rashad Weaver sometime in the fourth round. So clearly they think that uh, Dupree is going to come here and help fix it. They didn't really sign any other pass rushers, right? You're you're running it back with Harold Landry, potentially a guy like Derek Roberson also uh, playing important roles. So they've put a ton of faith in, in, in Bud Dupree. We know how bad the pass rush was last year. We're not going to focus uh, much on that topic because if you listen to this, you know how bad it was. You know that uh, Graver here and I uh, bickered about it all season long and uh, no need to really reflect on that much more at this point in time. But a ton of faith <laughs> in Bud Dupree. Look, a guy who's a big-time sack artist, did it in Pittsburgh. Um, uh, not just the skill set, I think, to come here and have an impact. So I, I do believe he has that. But I think the culture fit is really good. He strikes me as a hard worker. Every time that they've made him available to the media, he's been on Zoom, talked about Coach Ryan Pro a little bit, who he really likes, talked about the staff, the general manager. He's a guy that I think is going to come in and be a good uh, addition to the locker room. Anytime John Robinson commits this kind of money to a guy and a big commitment. So you can't look at a Jadavion Clowney or a Vic Beasley one-year guys. I think when Robinson's making a five-year commitment to a guy, and of course it could be a three or four-year commitment, either way, a multi-year commitment, I think he really thinks about the impact that that player can have in the locker room and what kind of culture fit he is as well. And everything I've heard about Bud Dupree, a couple months back, I wrote a story, if you got a chance to read it, spoke with Chuck Smith, who's known as Dr. Rush, and the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. Everything I've heard about Dupree uh, as a person, as a teammate, has been really, really good. So I'm excited about this addition. I think he helps the pass rush take a big step forward this season, 
I'll make a prediction. I think he gets double digit sacks. I don't think that's saying a whole lot, but I'll be shocked if he doesn't get into the 10 to 12 sack range, at least. And I think he's a, he's a great addition for this team and I'm excited to watch him uh, rush the passer this season. Yeah, I totally agree with all of those things. And I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit before comparing him to Brian Arakpo's arrival in Tennessee after his time in Washington. And he really did help revive the pass rush back then when they really needed it. That team was never as good as this team is expected to be. So it'll be even more important for Bud Dupree to come in and have that instant impact. And one other thing I think is interesting about Dupree is, I mean, it's not that interesting, but they asked him about this in his in his last media appearance was that he was the first free agent to sign with the Titans. So he was the guy that kind of set the tone for the offseason with this huge contract early in the free agency period and kind of sent the signal again, you know, that that we've been talking about all offseason that the Titans are sending, that they're going all in. So he wasn't, you know, he didn't see those moves before signing. He was that move and he... You know he wants to come in and bring that winning culture, but he also is the one who kind of kicked things off for John Robinson this offseason, you know. And speaking of that whole going all-in thing, I'll transition now to my first impactful player, who we've talked about feels like every week for for two months on this podcast. Uh, Julio Jones is a Tennessee Titan. It still feels weird to say it out loud. But there's no question that this guy is going to come in and have a huge impact on the wide receiver group. Just we've talked about it at length already, but to reiterate, knocking everyone down a notch in the pecking order, putting Josh Reynolds at wide receiver three, putting whoever is wide receiver four down to wide receiver four, whether that's, I don't know, uh, Mason Kinsey or Cameron Batson or whoever they end up, whoever ends up winning that fourth job, Nick Westbrook, Akine, whatever. They, they won't have to play nearly as much as they otherwise would have been expected to play. It allows you to really go full 11 personnel. And again, we talked about this last week, the Flying Coach podcast with Sean McVay and Peter Schrager. They had Arthur Smith on. And another, another point we didn't talk about last week was uh, they had a mailbag question come in. This is after Art Smith left the pod asking Sean McVay about his usage of 11 personnel and 12 personnel. And Sean McVay's like, it's all dependent on the players you have. You know, when we had three great receivers, we ran a lot of 11 personnel because it didn't feel right looking over to see Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, or Brandon Cooks standing on the sideline with me. All three of those guys need to be on the field. I feel the same way about the Titans receiver group now. Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, all three of those guys should be on the field um, for the majority of snaps. It really frees up the Titans to not need to have that tight end that they have to rely on so much. So it opens up the whole offense. He's a Hall of Fame receiver. Obviously, he's going to have a huge impact. I think we all know that at this point. So there's, I don't know what else we have left to say about Julio. I know you're excited about that one, and I'm glad that you got to talk about him again. Feels like (laughs) the last three or four episodes have been about Julio, but you can't blame us, I don't think. I'll go into my second one, maybe taking a bit of a risk here, but I'm going to go with Caleb Farley. Uh, He was your first round pick for a reason. This is a guy that was a top 10 talent in this draft class. Uh, Titans get him where they got him, of course, because of the back injuries and the uncertainty there. But uh, I I think they're comfortable with with him going into this season. You look at Jeffrey Simmons, everyone expected him to miss his rookie year when they drafted him. They got him back not even midway through the year. So I expect Farley to play and to play early and to make an impact. I think he's NFL ready. The skill set jumps off the screen. If you've studied this guy uh, in college, I mean, the athleticism is just through the roof. Uh, It's a shame that the back injury robbed him of testing at the combine. 
in a sense, right? Because you know the numbers would have just been incredible. At the same time, going to sound selfish here for a second, but uh, if he had tested at the Combine, Titans would have never drafted him at 22 because the numbers would have been elite. I'm telling you, he would have ran in the high four twos, low four threes. This is the type of athlete you're getting. The size is terrific. Height, weight, perspective. He's got every tool to be a number one cornerback in this league. And I think the Titans got a great player when they drafted him. Uh, I'm going to say that he makes an impact as a rookie. Call it a bold prediction. Say it's a uh, or not. I, I don't know if it is or isn't, but uh, I think he makes his impact felt. Look, they've totally revamped this corner room, right? You got Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Uh, you don't have a lot of proven commodities behind him. Uh, so I think Farley makes an impact, plays a lot of football as long as he's healthy. And I think he has a really strong rookie season. Agreed. And if it, our listeners remember, we predicted it on our show. Not only do we predict it right before the draft, we did a dueling mock draft and we both picked Caleb Farley in the first round. Yeah, we sure did. So we're both excited about him as well, I know, and I do expect him to make a huge impact. My second guy is also on the defensive side. I'm going with Danico Autry, who I think is still, I mean, Titans fans are excited about him, but I think it's one of the more underrated signings of free agency just in in general in the larger NFL landscape because of what he's going to help do on the defensive line, helping free up Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree and Harold Landry. I mean, with those four guys, you have four guys who can legitimately get after the quarterback now with a front four. And Daquan Jones was a phenomenal player for the Titans here for his for his entire time here, but he never could really get after the quarterback the way Danico Autry can. And Autry can slide out and play a heavy end. He can play that three tech. He can come all the way to one tech. I think that this is going to have a huge impact on allowing Jeffrey Simmons to become the kind of player that Titans fans have been expecting him to grow into. You know, you hope that he can be healthy next year and not get COVID or anything stupid like that, like what happened last season. Um, definitely, I think, had an impact on Simmons and limited, limited him a little bit. But Autry's ability to play all over that defensive line, free up one-on-one -on -one matchups for other guys, or take advantage of one-on-one -on -one matchups he gets himself – I think it's going to have a huge impact and it's also going to make the secondary's job easier and make it look like the secondary got a lot better, which I think the secondary got better, but because the pass rushes, I also expect to be improved. It's just going to be a synchronous thing where both sides help each other. And, and I'm jealous before I get to my third and final guy. I'm a little jealous that you got to talk about Dina Coatri there because I want to talk about him too. Cause uh, you know, it goes back to a little bit about what I said about Bud Dupree. When I talk about not just the skill set of the player, but the culture fit, by all accounts, Dina Coatri is a tough, hard-nosed SOB who I think is going to make this defense, for lack of a better word, tougher. Uh, something that they lacked last season, right? I think it's going to rub off on everybody. And I love that you brought up Jeffrey Simmons there because I think he's going to have a terrific impact on Jeffrey Simmons, the type of player that uh, Simmons can be and the type of pro uh, that, that he can be. I think Autry's the right guy. Look, they asked, I think it was Mike Rabel about it the other day, about a week ago. And, and every coach that's talked about Autry said, he's all business. From the moment he's gone here, he's all business. That's the kind of guy he strikes me as. I think he'll have a terrific impact, not only on the field, but on the young defensive linemen on this, not just Jeffrey Simmons, but guys like T.R. Tart, Laurel Murchison, they can all learn a lot from someone like Autry. So I, I do love that addition. I know, you know, the Julio Jones, the uh, Bud Dupree, they were big moves, big names, big money. But Autry, to me, is a really underrated addition that they made. Uh, for my third and final pick, uh, I know I went with the draft pick for my, my second pick, but I'm going to go with it again. You know I'm a draft guy at heart. I'm going to go with Dylan Radins. 
uh, their second round pick, a guy that I think can come in and, and start for you right away at right tackle. I really like the kid, tough, hard-nosed guy, grew up in Becker, uh, Minneapolis, small town. All he ever knew was football growing up. Lost his father at a young age, became the man at a house, uh, the man of the house. And, and his family moved to Becker because it was a bit of a football town. So they always had, he always had his, uh, his uh, he always had his sights set on football uh, to become a professional player. And he's done that. And I think he's a guy that can come in and start. I, I really do. There's going to be some competition there. I, I may look silly because I don't think he's guaranteed to be the starter at right tackle from week one, at least. You know, they signed Kendall Lamb in free agency, uh, a swing veteran guy that was with Mike Vrabel in Houston. He's played in Cleveland lately, started a couple games for them there. Uh, so there's, there's competition here. They moved on from Dennis Kelly. It's going to be Raiden's first lamb, in my opinion. Maybe Tyson Braylow has a chance to get his name into the mix there. I, I think if I was ranking those three options, he's probably going to come in at number three, but it's certainly not impossible, right, that, that he can get his name into the mix. But I really like Dylan Radens. I love the skill set. I was really high on him before the draft. If you're listening to this and you say, you know what, Justin's just saying that because the Titans drafted him, I dare you to go back and look at my big board, my final <laughs> big board before the draft. I had Radens in my top 40. So there you go. I just proved you wrong. If you're listening to this and say, <laughs> no, well, it's cause the Titans drafted him. I love Dylan Radens. I had him. I think it was 36th overall on my top 225. That's how high I was on the kid was thrilled when the Titans got him there in the fifties. I know a lot of people were crying about it and they wanted a receiver. Well, they gave you Julio Jones. So I hope you stopped crying by now, but I love the pick. Then they, they got a guy in the trenches. Let's be honest. It was Isaiah Wilson was the reason people didn't like that. pick. they just saw another tackle and said, Oh, I don't want another tackle. Well, in your face, John Robinson gave you another tackle. And I think he gave you a really good one. One that's going to start at right tackle for years to come. Yeah, you brought up Isaiah Wilson there, and it's just so hard to even talk he who about may not, What is the Harry Potter term? He who we may not name or something? Gosh, that was awful. He who shall not be named? He, yeah, he who shall, yeah, whatever. Um, That's how we should refer to Isaiah Wilson well, from the, now on. It's just so hard to bring up Dylan Radins and not make the comparison to Isaiah Wilson, especially when all the reports out of training camp are about how much, or not training camp, mini camp and OTA is about how much he loves football and he just wants to get to work and he doesn't care about the money and the contract. He just wants to go get to work and he's like putting in the grind every single day. The only thing I'll challenge you on here is just that the way that the reporting has been on what he's done so far in camp and maybe they're just trying him out everywhere and giving him the full gamut right off the bat. But it almost feels like they're grooming him to be a swing backup, at least for his rookie season, because it seems like he's played a lot of left guard, right guard and right tackle, maybe even left tackle. Um, so I'm not 100 percent sure what their plan is there, at least for the 2021 season. But I would hope that when we get to training camp, he comes out and plays right tackle for the most part and I, I do think that's what will happen but it, it feels like in minicamp they've been using him a little bit all over the line that's an interesting point and there was some talk there was some talk before the draft that's I know some analysts who I really respect thought he may move to guard uh, in the future I think he's capable of playing there and uh, can give you some some good backup reps I mean they don't have a lot of depth across the line and, and you can argue with me on that if you want I'm very intrigued by Aaron Brewer uh, I thought the small sample size we saw from him last year was positive, but overall, yeah. let's be honest, still, still mostly an unknown 
I think he started, what, two games when Saffold was banged up. Started the Baltimore game, I want to say, uh, and the, during the regular season, of course, and looked pretty good in that game. Really good, I thought, actually. Uh, but they don't have a lot of proven depth there on the interior behind. Of course, your top three starters are terrific in Saffold, Jones, and Davis. But not a lot there, so I, I don't blame them for giving him some reps there. It's good for him to learn multiple positions. Uh, it's good for him if he can if he if he doesn't win the starting job at right tackle, then it's good to have him back up all three positions, right tackle, left guard, right guard. Uh, but I think he's a tackle ultimately. I, I, and that's how I felt before the draft. That's how I felt when I watched his tape at NDSU. And I ultimately do think he will be a tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think so too. It could be a situation where he's the next man up if Saffold or Davis goes down and then they bring Sambrello off the bench to play tackle. Raiden slides inside the guard, kind of a right. whole shuffling That's a great situation. point. And let's be honest, one thing we didn't mention there, the Titans pro- do not draft Dylan Raiden in the 50s if they think he's a guard. Let's put right. it that way. I, I would feel comfortable assuming that their pre-draft evaluation on him, they have him at tackle. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. All right, I'll I'll get to my third and final most impactful player, and this is more about the position than the player, and it's kind of tongue in cheek, but I do I am serious I when I bit. say, <laughs> I love I love I, that you went with this one. I love it. Let's drum roll, please. I don't know if we have a drum roll, but someone hit a drum roll because I thought this was really interesting. I'll I'll add it in post. Um, <laughs> add it in post, baby. Um, yeah. So my third and final pick is kicker Blake Hawbill, the undrafted free agent kicker out of Ohio State. I. I say this because the Titans don't have a kicker yet, right? <laughs> and we don't know what the plan is. It, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. They could add Goskowski at any point. They could look to see if a veteran gets cut before training camp or is still out on the street or whatever it is. They could add somebody still. But right now, it's Blake Hawbill and Tucker McCann. And I say Blake Hawbill is the most impactful because it feels like his impact right now is to make the Titans think they don't need to go get another kicker which either means he's going to be really good and an undrafted free agent find and the Titans kicker for the next 10 years, or he's not good and they have to add a new kicker and it causes a kicker disaster for the whole season, just like we, we've seen you know, throughout 2019 and at the start of 2020 before Goskowski found his rhythm. So you know, it could impact, it could have an impact in a very negative way, or it could have an impact in the sense that the Titans don't have to worry about kicker anymore. Uh, I just think that it, the kicker position has been extremely overlooked this offseason, and it will have an impact on the year. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about it. Either Look, there's there's almost no in-between, right, when it comes to kickers. It's either going to be great or it's going to go horribly, right? There's no – no one is ever just okay on the fence, typically, with their kicking situation. You're either thrilled or you're miserable. Right. And it wouldn't be a Titan season if we don't end up miserable. With the kicker. So um, I'm really, you know, I, it's odd. because I may regret saying this, but I'm almost excited to see how it works out. And if it works out horribly, I'll be very upset, just like the rest of us will be. But I'm almost excited and anxious to see how it works out, because what can they throw at us from a kicking perspective that we already haven't been through over the past two seasons? I mean, it can't Sam Sloman double doink. Uh, Gustowski starting over. I felt like over 10 or whatever the heck it was. <laughs> it wasn't, but you know what I mean. And then the, yeah. the 17 kickers they had kicking for them in, in 2019. So, I mean, what can possibly happen to the Titans kicker in 2021? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. And I, again, I love that you picked Hobbill because the way things stand right now, and this is just an inkling that I have, he's probably the favorite to win the job. I think so. We talked about this again last week. By the way, 
Last week I said it was crazy that they chose Sam Sloman instead of Tucker McCann, who they apparently seem to like. I was incorrect there. At that point in the season, Tucker McCann had actually been placed on injured reserve. Oh, good catch. So I don't, recall I don't know that if that changes our opinion here about why they went with Sam Sloman and how they potentially feel about Tucker McCann, but well, I... McCann around, right? So it's got to yeah. say something. And we mentioned the Ohio State connection between Mike Vrabel and Hawbill last week. So, again, I don't know if, like, maybe Vrabel talked to Ryan Day or whatever, and he was like, oh, this kid's a great kicker. We could trust him with every kick. And maybe Vrabel's like, let's see if this kid's got what it takes mentally to make it in the NFL. Maybe Ryan Day was like, I think he does. And so Vrabel's like, let's try it out. Like, who knows? That's, you know? a great, that's a great impersonation. That conversation probably went exactly like that. I love that impersonation. <laughs> but all kidding aside, uh, I would assume that Mike Vrabel did talk to, to Ryan Day about it, right? I mean, they're close friends. Uh, why wouldn't he reach out to him and, and have that conversation? So I'd be shocked if that conversation didn't happen between the two of them. Or Kerry Combs or Shane Bowen called him up. All these guys were at Ohio State yeah. together. So Maybe Kerry Combs hit Vrabel with a bunch of hashtags. Yeah, a really hashtag, long hashtag. He's a really good kicker. I think he'll be really good in the pros. That's about <laughs> the length of a Kerry Combs hashtag, isn't it? If you guys don't know what we're talking about, just go look up <laughs> Kerry Combs' Twitter account. His hashtags are absolutely ridiculous. Like, Fantastic. Like 13 yeah. words per hashtag. It's terrific. It's amazing. It's a puzzle to figure out what he's trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it. Any honorable mentions? Elijah Molden. How about him? I, I'm a big Elijah Molden guy. I mean, let me talk about more draft picks. Why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm a huge Elijah Molden guy. You know this. Again, if you think – I'm gonna, I get to rant again. If you think – and I'm only saying that because the Titans drafted him. I invite you to go back to my final big board. You'll see I had Elijah Molden as a top 50 player. It was almost the best value for any team in the draft, in my opinion. Titans getting Molden about 50 picks later uh, for, from where I had him ranked overall. Just a guy that I think could come in and play the slot for you uh, in such an effective manner at a high level. Big fan of Elijah Molden. I think he has such a bright future in this league. And I do predict, as long as he's healthy, I know he's been nursing a little something throughout camp, uh, throughout mini camp and, and rookie mini camp. Uh, as long as he's healthy, I think he's going to have a bigger impact as a rookie than anyone's predicting. Cause I know uh, on the surface, you're looking on paper, you're saying there's, you know, it's, it's a tough route for him to get on the field. You've got Fulton, you've got Jack rabbit. You've hopefully got Farley at Porter. You've got a couple, you got Chris Jackson entering year two at safety. You got a money hooker. Of course you got fired. You got Crookshank. It's hard to see a role for Molden, but I think he's such a good Swiss army knife type player that he will find his way onto the field as a rookie. I think another honorable mention should probably be Josh Reynolds. No. Yeah, good point. I talked about him a, a, briefly when I was going through the Julio rant about 11 right. personnel and stuff. But receiver three, we expect him to be the receiver three. I mean, as much attention is going to get focused on, on Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry, you have to love the looks that Josh Reynolds is going to get. As long as, you know, they build that camaraderie, Ryan Tannehill and him. I mean, they both went to Texas A&M, so you know they're going to hit it off uh, almost immediately uh, with right. that connection. They both uh, throw receivers at and they're, both, they're both receivers at Texas A&M. It's a great point. I love looking up Ryan Tannehill wide receiver highlights. They crack me up every time. Yeah, they got but, it got circulated on Twitter on Tuesday. This yeah, week. it did because I don't know who it was, but some big media personality was like, "Wait a second, Tannehill was a receiver in college." Yeah. They didn't even know. So 
thought that was hilarious. But you have to figure that Reynolds is going to get so many favorable matchups this year. One-on-ones, defenses are almost going to forget about him when you've got to focus on the big three uh, in terms of from a playmaker perspective. So you, you you really have to like the potential that Josh Reynolds has in this offense. As well. And Anthony Furtzer, too, as a pass catcher. Both Reynolds and Furtzer are going to get a lot of favorable looks this year. Absolutely agree. All right, well, that'll do it for this episode of the Music City Audible. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in and staying this long. We appreciate your earballs getting on our podcast. If you loved what you heard, maybe you'll consider a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. Maybe you'll consider that. Be sure to check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Justin, you have some UDFA interviews rolling pretty soon, right? Yeah, well, we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, so on Monday, uh, I had uh, Chandon Herring, a, an offensive lineman, a versatile guy out of BYU that I think has a really good chance to make this team. Blocked for Zach Wilson there at BYU and did a great job doing so. So really look into him. He can play tackle, can play guard, has played multiple positions in college. I really like his chances of, of potentially making this roster on Tuesday. I ran with with my mates from down under, a punter, James Smith, out of Australia. Such a crazy story, so much fun. Talked about his journey from Australia to the University of Cincinnati, and now is a UDFA with the Tennessee Titans. I hate to pick one because I love them all like they're my children, but that James Smith interview may be my favorite one out of all the UDFAs. On Wednesday, I ran an interview with Cole Banwart, another offensive lineman from the University of Iowa. Iowa's an O-line factory for, for NFL talent, so look into Cole Banwart. He's an interior lineman guy, can play guard, can play center. Had a fun interview with him. Another guy I can see making the team. Played in a similar scheme at Iowa um, that he'll that he'll try to play for in 10 Tennessee in the outside zone. He talked to me about that a little. Same goes for Champion Herring, by the way. Very familiar with the Titans scheme due to what BYU ran. And then on Thursday, again, you're listening to this on Friday. On Thursday, right. I ran the final interview in my UDFA series, or what looks like the final one, which is the tight end out of Alabama, uh, Miller Forrestall. Really interesting guy. Did a lot of blocking for Alabama this past season. But when he came there, he was a pretty good pass catcher for them. So if you look at his, uh, his body of work, his entire collegiate career he's put a lot of good things on tape started out as a pass catcher ended as a primary blocker so i think that's really interesting that he's done both had some good testing numbers has great size uh, i think our udfa tight end is going to make this titans roster so whether it's miller forestall or k-state tight end briley moore who's also there uh, i'm hoping to still interview more but i haven't been able to do that yet and you know he's getting busier of course now with camp so we'll see how that goes but i've had some discussion with him uh, but make sure you check out the miller forestall interview as well on thursday as a really good one uh that that's basically it for the series it started a couple weeks ago with justice reed that was the first one i published the titans have since cut him so i don't know how <laughs> interested you'd be in going back to read that one but those are the five you DFA interviews that I've had. By the time you're listening to this, they've all published. I also had an interview with Des Fitzpatrick a few weeks ago. So if you haven't had a chance to read that on broadwaysportsmedia.com, head over there. I had a great discussion with Des Des as well. So uh, really starting to ramp that up as the weeks go by. Yeah, so check out all that stuff, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Follow Justin on Twitter. He's got a check mark now. It's at Justin M underscore NFL. You can find me at Titans Film Room. That'll do it for this week. And hey, before we get out of here, quick shout out to Carl Nassib. 
really yes. really cool to see him and his bravery and his confidence to be who he is and and uh you love to see that and we support him fully on this podcast and i would hope that everyone supports him as well so kudos and, to and, him shout out to yeah you go ahead yeah one thing i want to say on that um you know sometimes it's easy for us all to think that the world can be an ugly place and of course there, there there's ugliness everywhere you're gonna have people say negative things comments yeah everyone on you know the internet thinks they can be a warrior so to speak because they don't think they're always going to be held accountable uh, but when you look at Carl Nassib, how much joy did it bring to your heart when you found out that he was the number one selling jersey across Fanatics uh, Network? I think two days in a row. I think it was both on Monday and Tuesday. So when you know it, it's something, it may seem small, but when I see something like that, I'm reminded of how good the world can be and how supportive people can be. So yes, there's a lot of ugliness out there, but it warms my heart to think that there's also a lot of great people out there. So if you went on Fanatics and you bought a Carl Nassib jersey, shout out to you. I think that was amazing. A great way to support him, a great way to support his message uh, and a great way to support his bravery. Kudos to him. I love that you brought that up uh, and said it. A round of applause to Carl Nassib because uh, everyone should be able to, to feel comfortable in their own skin and, and, and comfortable with who they are. I love to see that. And his Raiders teammates have come out and supported him uh, publicly. An overwhelming amount of support uh, online and, and, of course, in real life for Carl Nassib right now. So that's terrific. You really love to see it. Yeah, and it's I, very well said, Justin. Thank you. And, you know, uh, it's crazy. One of my friends actually went to Penn State and met Carl Nassib at a random party here in L.A. Didn't even know who he was. Was talking to him for a while. He was like, oh, I went to Penn State. Oh, I went to Penn State. Oh, that's so cool. And then found out it was Carl Nassib NFL player like a few minutes later or something. Well, surely he's probably pretty humble if he didn't lead off with that, right? So right. it sounds like a great guy. Exactly, yeah. So anyway, that'll do it. You guys, uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, I guess that's it. That's all I got. Till then, you guys stay safe and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.